Amen. And the church said, Amen. One more time. The church said, Amen. Well, Trent's not here today, but he did leave me some things so that you would know we're starting a new series on emojis. If you don't know what that is, this is one of them. And so we want to just remind you, I started to just throw this toward the joyous people, but then I thought really the people that ain't don't have any joy really need them. But uh, so uh, anyway, just so a few of you have uh, some reminders here. Uh, here's some uh, teens always need one. That's about as far as I can throw us from the pitcher's mound to the catcher's. That's about it. So uh, uh, I know this side's feeling. I love it with. I love it when people older than me are jumping up like kids at a concert for a t-shirt. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> Alright. That's it. Trent should have bought more. Okay, let's have the invitation and go home. What do you think? Joy. I was looking around for some joyful people, so we took a few pictures. Now you're getting nervous. This was one of the, there's young joy. I love this picture. Now that's just, that just has youth and joy all over. There's young joy and then there's camp joy. Who said old? Chris, I did not say old. I said camp joy. Camp joy. And then there's, I don't know what that is. That's just joy. And then we have another individual Eyes are coming out of my head, Joy. Uh, this is what Joy... I, mean, I don't know what all the expressions of Joy are out there. You each have your own one. Man, let's just see. I want you all to look at me with your greatest Joy face possible. And if you don't smile, I'm pointing you out. I'm calling you out publicly to repent. Okay. Very few. Okay. There's a few good ones out there. All right. And staff Joy. Staff Joy. By the way, I love, Louie, you're, that's my favorite expression of you because it's like, why are you making me do this type thing? <laughs> and so, uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, we do have a great, great group of people to work with. We've got a great church. And it's, and, uh, and so we're going to be talking about joy. We're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about discouragement. We're going to talk about kindness. A lot of things and how Jesus approaches these things, how he handles them and what he has to say to us. So let's look in uh, John chapter 15. I want to start here in this chapter because in verse 11 of this chapter, Jesus says something interesting. He says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That word complete is the word like uh, like full, like filling up a water bottle all, all the way to the top. It's that kind of fullness. So Jesus says, I, I'm telling you this stuff. What I've told you, the first ten verses, I'm telling you, so you, so your, my joy will be in you, and it will be to the fullest. Well, then I thought, well, if we're going to use that verse, we ought to see what the first ten verses said that led up to this. What is Jesus talking about? So part of joy is learning that we remain in Jesus. That's where joy is really found after all, right? So uh, chapter 15 of the book of John, he says, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Joy is not always about 
trouble and suffering not being in our life. See, joy is not the absence of those things. It's not the absence of trouble. Joy is the presence of God. And so even when there's pruning going on, there's cutting back, it's always done for our benefit and for the kingdom's benefit that people grow. So he says, look, there sometimes that happens. You're already clean because of the word I spoke to you. Remain in me. Now, this word remain, you're going to see it about 11 times in 10 verses. Now, anytime there's that kind of emphasis, you better know it's something kind of important what I'll be thinking about, right? Remain in me is also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands... You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Look, a machine can produce results. A robot can produce results. But it takes a living organism to produce fruit. And he says, that's what we are. We're here, as we're live, we're living organism, and we're to produce fruit. And he says, look, when you remain in me, this fruit takes place. And what happens as you learn and grow and abide in my word and my love and my promises, then what happens is I give you a joy, and your joy gets to be full and complete. It's a growing process, too. By the way, remember, the, the uh, fruit of the Spirit, one of those love joy and peace, right? So joy is something we do have, but we also grow in. It's something that becomes more full and and greater as we grow in the Lord. You cannot have joy without remaining in Christ. Or as the King James Verse says, abiding in Him. I love that old song, abide with me. Look, He takes care of the growing process. We choose to remain and abide in Him and His Word. And when we do, joy comes out of that. He wants us to have joy. But I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about the way the world does. They always think you have to have something else. They think that joy comes from outside circumstances. If I had this house, I'd have joy or happiness. If I had this wealth, I'd have joy. If I had this situation, I would have joy. It's not about those things. Joy is an inside job. We have it because we are in Jesus And we can have it whether the circumstances are good or bad, whether we're rich or poor, whether we're in troubled times or happy times. We can have constant joy and in-depth joy as we remain in Jesus. You see, the idea of bearing fruit is the idea of doing something unselfish. You don't bear fruit for yourself to eat. Fruit we bear for others to have. We serve, we grow, and joy abides and grows in us. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 15, because not only do we remain in Jesus, but we also reach others for Jesus 
Because you see, one of the keys is, is that we have to learn that what brings Jesus joy brings us joy. What brings Him joy must bring us joy. Now in Luke chapter 15, there's an audience here of a group of folks gathered up. Now, verse 1, it says, there's tax collectors and sinners. So I don't know if tax collectors is just a notch below sinners or what that is. But there's tax collectors and there's sinners and they're gathered up. Now, typically here, I think the reason it's worded this way because there's an idea of this sinners having immorality, the, the harlots, those that are really outside to any kind of biblical living, they're there. Because the next group, he says is that there's Pharisees and teachers of the law, religious folk, right? Church-going people. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law are kind of saying under their breath, look at you, what's he doing? What's he doing running around with these bunch of tax collectors and sinners? What's he doing that for? Kind of like remember the Pharisee that when, the, when the woman came into the house to wash Jesus' feet, doesn't he know who's touching him? It's kind of that idea, kind of that attitude. Now, that's the audience. So you've got tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees, and teachers of the law, religious people. They're all together, and Jesus tells them something. He says, uh, let me explain to you about the sheep. Just one was lost, and I left the 99 and went out and found that sheep. And what happened? Well, the Bible says when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Joy. One person comes, joy in heaven. Then he tells about the lost coin. This woman's lost the coin. She searches. She finally finds it. What's her response? She calls her friends together and she says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. The same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he goes into a longer story about the prodigal son. The guy that went off and squandered all of his wealth and all the stuff that he had, and he ends up in the pig pen, and he wants to come home. He knows he's messed up. He changes his thinking. He says, I can go to the house. Uh, there, I can, maybe I can just work and, and, and repent and change my life. And so he goes on. And I love this picture because when he arrives, the father is looking for him, and God comes running is the picture. The father runs to him. God running toward this guy. To celebrate. To say, thank you for being And look, here's what he says in verse 23. He says, let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. Let's gather up all the catfish and the crawfish and the shrimp. No, it doesn't say. That's the Louisiana celebration part. Let's kill a fatty cat for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Look, sin doesn't make you Worse, it makes you dead. God doesn't make you better. He makes you alive. Got it? He went from dead to alive. And so he says, so they begin to celebrate. There's music. There's dancing. I mean, this sounds like a church service. Or is it? Well, they pull out all the stops. Of course, you've got a brother there that's having trouble with the celebration. You ever catch yourself being this brother? 
You don't have to raise your hand. You know, where you just can't hardly stand it that something good happened to somebody else and you thought it ought to happen to you. Well, they celebrate. And as he confronts this son, down in verse 32, he says, But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You know, I appreciate my church history. I appreciate the background I have and my roots. And I love the fact that we came out of the restoration movement that said, let's restore New Testament Christianity. Let's look at the Bible and restore some things. The problem is, we went for imitation instead of intimacy. We need to restore not only the facts of what they were practicing, we need to restore the emotion of what they were practicing. It's time for a restoration of celebration. Amen? We need to celebrate when someone comes to the Lord. When someone hits that water back there, we need to be rejoicing. We need to be able to say, shout hallelujah. You know, we sing it. We need to be able to shout it. There's a verse in Psalm 100 where he says, shout for joy to the Lord. Shout for joy. We're not too much on shouting. We didn't kind of grow up. Mike, he's done going off the deep end. He's shouting out there now. Well, luckily for me, I preach where Phil Robertson goes, so you never outshout him. So, uh, right? We shout for joy because one person makes the decision for God. We shout for joy. Look here. When one person comes to the Lord, not only are our emotions moved, But the emotions of heaven are moved. And angels rejoice. And God rejoices. And we rejoice. Because someone came to the Lord. Now that's reason for celebrating. That's reason for joy. You know, I think sometimes we just don't realize that joy is something that we can choose. Look, Paul wrote a whole book on joy in the Philippians. And he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And he's writing from a jail cell. And yet he's telling people they can have joy. Remember in, uh, remember in Acts uh, uh, chapter 16. I want to just look over at that for just a moment. When Paul and Silas are in jail. I love this story. In Acts chapter 16, they're thrown in jail preaching the gospel. In verse 25, it's about midnight, the Bible says. And uh, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I've wondered, what, what do you think they were singing? You think Paul's like calling over at Silas, hey Silas, how about cranking up uh, blue skies? And uh, hey, how, how, about hit, how about hitting that God's an awesome God's on? Let's do that one next, you know? I mean, I don't know what they were gathering up, but they're in the jail. And they're singing. And all of a sudden, this earthquake happens. Remember? And the jailer sees that the doors are open. He's afraid. All of a sudden, he thinks they've escaped and they haven't. He starts to draw his sword to take his own life. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. 
At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with, anybody guess? Joy. Because he had come to believe in God. That's what brings you joy. Faith in what God can do for you no matter what situation you're in in life. He rescues you. And you can be filled with joy. But look, it's a choice. And our attitude becomes a testimony to those we're around. But we all had that experience of joy when we first became a Christian. But what about that mature joy, that joy that I can have constantly and consistently through tough times and hard times? I can still have the joy of the Lord. What about that one? I mean, have you ever looked at your life and think, you know, I just I feel like I lost my joy. Maybe you lost it. Maybe somebody stole it from you. You ever had anything stolen from you? I tell you what. I was in college. I did go to college, by the way. I like to throw that in every now and then, just so you know. I'm an educated man. This was my first year over at Arkansas State University. And uh, my mom had wanted me to to do music. So early on, she spent a lot of money for a trumpet. I ended up, they gave me a little money to go over there and play in the jazz band. And so I went to Arkansas State University. And so I, I, I had my trumpet in my left it. I just had to leave it in my car that night. And uh, I come out that morning and somebody broke into my car. And they stole my trumpet. And what's even worse, they stole my eight-track player. Y'all remember those? And all my case of tracks, tracks, which weighed about 12 pounds. You know, you had a big case, carried all your eight tracks, you know. Seemed like they were that big, you plug them in. My collection was gone. I was mad. I was hot. They stole things that I thought were important. All, everything dealing with music, they stole. That made me mad. I wanted to find them. It's not a good feeling to say, look, some of us, have opportunities to keep our job. We just open up and let people walk in and steal it. We just don't even lock the car door anymore. We just open up and say, come get And we let people who are negative attitudes walk in. They dump their garbage right into our hearts and our minds. We let them spill their guts about how bad life is. We let them talk about how bad the country is, about how their circumstances, about how bad their job is. It, they just systematically start taking things out of our life. The joy gets pulled right out there. Have you ever met one of those kind of people? You know what I'm talking about. When they leave a room, the room gets brighter. You know? How many of you ever, how many of you have pets? You know, I, I'm not a big pet person. Every now and then we'll get a, we'll get a little puppy we just can't refuse. And I get the puppy out of it and then I give it to Lori. Isn't that kind of how that happens? <clears throat> well, you know, I, I, we weren't, and we were never big. In my house, you didn't have pets inside the house. That's why God gave them fur. <laughs> I understand that's just an opinion, right? I know. Okay, all of you, don't get mad at me. But I love your pets too. Yeah, what do you have? A dog for a pet? You have? How many have a dog? 
Now, good dog, you know. Yeah, okay, dog, cat. Okay, that's, I'm going in order of priority in my life. Dog first. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you have a lot of even people sometimes, they have, you know, they have parakeets, they have this. But I, anybody ever had a buzzard for a pet? A buzzard? You wouldn't have a buzzard, why? Well, a buzzard, they stink, they eat dead, gross stuff, they have a terrible appetite, they put all kinds of garbage into their life. And can you imagine buzzard breath? I mean, just, you know, think about that. <laughs> Who wants a buzzard for a pet? Yet sometimes what happens is we choose to look at all the garbage in life and we become a buzzard-like person. We're obnoxious. Nobody wants to be around us. We smell bad. We look bad. We eat bad. I mean, all that kind of stuff. You ever met one of those kind of people? I mean, you just can't get away from them hardly quick enough, right? I mean, they're ready to be a negative influence in your life. Don't be a buzzard kind of person. Here, everybody has two lists. Look, we can sit here and you can talk about this. my ailments here. This is, I got this going on wrong. I need this in life. I got this problem. I got this problem. You can look at all those things or you can look at all the things about how God rescued me. God saved me. I've got great forever family. I've got, and you can look, you've got two lists. Everybody has it. And everybody uses this power God gave them. It's called the power to choose. And you can choose to look at what God's done for you and think on that and have joy, or you can choose the buzzards list. But it's your choice. God gave you the power to choose. And you make that decision. So Paul and Silas could have chose to feel sorry for themselves. To think about the beatings, to think about the persecution, to think about the enemies. They chose to sing, praise God, and take an opportunity to teach someone about Jesus and baptize them and share the joy they had with somebody else. Now that's what I want to be like. That kind of joy. It's an attitude as well as an action. And you and I, well, we get to choose it. And how we choose affects how we influence other people. You know, sometimes it's all in how you say something, right? I mean, there's a difference. You think about the negative and positive way of saying it. One person says, Honey, when I look at your face, time stands still. Another guy says, Babe, you got a face that stop a clock. Now, how you say it makes a difference. But the good thing is, you choose. Joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You can't have it consistently the way God wants without His Spirit, without His Son. And, and boy, is it great. When you, when you buy into Christ, when you sell out for Him, and the joy He brings to our life, in spite of circumstances all around us, we have joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It really is. So this week, when you walk out of here, 
Make sure you choose joy. And if it's been a problem with you, grow up in it. Get into God's Word. Remain in Christ. Remain in His Word. Remain in His love. Get around those who are winning people to Jesus. There's joy there. Every time the waters are stirred, heaven's emotions are stirred. And so should our hearts. Joy of the Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for the day. I thank you, Father, for the joy of preaching and teaching at this church. For the encouragement this family is to me. I thank you, Father, for your son that died for my sins. I thank you for the hope I have through the resurrection. I thank you, Father, for the many, many times of joy that you bring about to us as a church family as more and more people come to name your son as Lord of their life. And so we we thank you, Father. We celebrate this church. We celebrate what you're doing through people's lives. We celebrate the coming of men to bend the knee to claim Jesus as their Lord. We give you glory. We enjoy the joy and the celebration of that great moment. We love you. Help us to be a joyful people. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. If you need that kind of joy, come today while we stand and sing.